have been evaluating uh, what we are doing here at the church, what is going well, uh, what could be, uh, what could we do better, um, and we meet uh, pretty much on a monthly basis, and this all revolves around our vision statement of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That is why we gather here today. Uh, I hope that's the reason you gather here today is so that uh, A, you can grow closer to God, and B, you can be equipped to expand God's kingdom. And so that's the question that we have to ask ourselves is how can we better expand God's kingdom? How can we bring more people into God's coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right? Um, and uh, Jamie and I thought uh, we would uh, take the lead and set an example in expanding uh, God's kingdom as uh, we hope uh, to grow God's kingdom by one um, as Ezra is a big brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jamie is due uh, at the end of the month of April, so she's actually not here today. She's missed a couple Sundays, you might have noticed uh, recently. Uh, as she's been dealing with the sickness of being pregnant. Uh, this child number two. That's because pregnancies are different between boy and girl, and I say, well, girls are just a little more difficult to deal with. So we're thinking possibly girl, but we will have to see. Uh, but we wanted to share that uh, with you all. Uh, we're excited uh, to uh, raise up another child here. Uh, within uh, the North Hills Church. It's been a joy, a pleasure to serve with you guys, serve alongside with you guys. It's not about, it's not about me, it's not about Jamie serving uh, and, and doing all the work, but it's, we're serving together as a body, as a family. Um, it's a marriage, it's a union. We're, we're all in this uh, together. Um, so yeah, I want to share that with you all. We're excited about that. Uh, hopefully we can expand God's kingdom one way or another. Um, <laughs> hey, you got to do you got to do what you got to do, right? Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, now that that is over, uh, we could talk about salvation. Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't have any fancy uh, transition uh, this morning. You're gonna have to deal with. Baby number two, now we're talking about salvation. So good news, baby number two. But even greater news than Jamie's pregnant is that we have salvation. Salvation is at hand. And uh, we're continuing our series on the seven uh, doctrines of salvation as uh, we all have to deal with this issue of sin. Sin is the main antagonist in the story of life. Sin is the main antagonist in your personal story. There's no greater enemy than the enemy of sin. And we all need saved from this enemy of sin, as sin affects us in multiple different ways. There's many different layers to sin and how it affects us, uh, both in our day-to-day -day lives and how it affects us in the grand scheme of things. And, and naturally, sin would uh, be the doom of all of us, naturally. But thank the Lord, we serve a good, good God, and he offers us an alternative. He offers us salvation to this issue of sin. And we're talking about seven, diff seven different ways in which God saves us from this issue of sin. 
All because of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So through that one act of love by God, by God sending his son Jesus to die on that cross, through that one single act, we are saved from the power and the issues and the effects and the consequences of sin. And all we need to do is we just need to have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we've moved through this series, we've talked about how we're saved from the consequences of sin as we have received forgiveness. God has washed our sins as white as snow. We've talked about justification, that even though we have sin in our lives because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. And today, as we continue our series on the seven doctrines or the seven teachings of salvation, We'll be talking about reconciliation. Again, I want to remind you all, this is all from, uh, this is not my original thinking. This is all from uh, Alva Huffer's book, Systematic Theology. Um, uh, Alva Huffer, a guy who was, was affiliated with our conference and, and with our uh, beliefs. Uh, so a great guy, a uh, guy full of joy. Um, and if you're interested in that book, Systematic Theology, which goes over really just all of Pretty in-depth, a lot of different beliefs that are found in sola scriptura, only in the scriptures. Uh, Then you can come see me after the service, and I'll get you a copy of the book for yourself. But today we're talking about reconciliation. And in the beginning, uh, God, he created the heavens and the earth, and the masterpiece of God's creation was mankind. And God walked with mankind, God walked with Adam and Eve, and God had a phenomenal relationship with Adam and Eve. He walked with them, he talked with them in person. Well, actually, I I say in person, but is it really called in person if it's God? Uh, Regardless, God talked to them uh, face to face in the Garden of Eden. It was a beautiful, beautiful image of God and his beloved creation, uh, the creation which he created in his own image. But one day, sin entered the picture, and sin kind of butted its way in the picture, and it separated where, where God and man, they met face to face. Now, all of a sudden, sin entered in the picture, and sin separated God and mankind as God is perfect, and sin is going in opposition against God and mankind, we took, we took part in that sin. And so ever since then, man's re- relationship with God has been broken. It's been a broken relationship with God, and it needs to be fixed. And naturally, with sin, we all make ourselves to be an enemy of God. We're in the beginning, we were friends. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, they're friends with God. They had that great relationship. But now naturally, with the consequences of sin, you and I, we are enemies of God. That, that is a strong word. But this is where Jesus comes along, thank goodness. With the sacrifice of Jesus, mankind's relationship with God is and has and will be restored. And this is what reconciliation is all about. Reconciliation, another one of those church words that we use a lot within the church. Reconciliation simply means the restoration of friendly relations. And in our day-to-day lives, we probably see reconciliation take place quite frequently. One of the most common examples of reconciliation is between siblings. Raise your hand if you grew up with uh, a sibling or multiple siblings. 
yeah, a handful of us, most of us, uh, myself included, we see this process of reconciliation take place time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. And that was certainly uh, the case uh, with my younger sister Mackenzie and I, as we hung out all the time uh, growing up. We had uh, two older siblings, um, and they were mostly doing their own thing uh, in their room rooms, whatever, but I was a pretty active kid. I needed someone uh, to play with, um, and so Mackenzie, uh, she would pretty much always play with me, whether that be playing basketball in, in the driveway, whether that be uh, playing a board game, video game, whatever it might be. We were constantly competing with one another, and I'm two years older, um, and so naturally, as we were growing up, I would win in most everything that we do as I was older. And that age gap really uh, is a big difference when you are much younger. And uh, frequently in this process, we would bring the worst out of each other. And really, mostly, it was me being a knucklehead, being cocky, being arrogant, whatever it may be, and really uh, getting my sister ticked off at me. And, and frequently, we'd play these games, and it would end with her being upset with me because I'm being a big bully, not being very nice uh, to uh, my sister. Uh, but no matter how many times we got upset with one another, every single time, we reconciled with one another, where we started with a friendly relationship, and then we butted heads when we were competing, whatever it may be. She'd tell on me, uh, whatever it may be, and then we would reconcile after that. We would be in friendly relations uh, after that. And I'm guessing all of you guys who raised your hand that you grew up with siblings as well, I'm guessing you have very similar experience to this, where you have these good relationships, and then you butt heads, and you're angry with one another, but then you reconcile with one another. You, you, you have those friendly relationships uh, again after this. Sometimes, you know, you need a great act to reconcile with one another. Sometimes you just simply need time. You need time to reconcile uh, with uh, other people. Um, and perhaps when we take a look at history, I, I shared last week uh, that I uh, went to the Ark Encounter and got a huge timeline of a 23-foot timeline that shows biblical, modern, and ancient history. I found out I wasn't the only one who picked up uh, one of those. Um, might embarrass him. But Jacob, he actually uh, went to the Ark Encounter a while back as well, and he said he got the same timeline. Uh, so we can, we can geek over that, uh, Jacob. Uh, but perhaps uh, my, my second favorite uh, story of reconciliation in all all of history is about Joseph and his brother. We, we can read about that in the book of Genesis. We're not going to do that uh, for the sake of time. But when you look at the story of Joseph and his brothers, Joseph, he had uh, many brothers. There, there were 12 of them, 12 boys. That would have been a load of trouble. Um, and so Joseph, he, apparently he was a pretty good guy because he was his father's favorite son. Jacob, who, who was later named Israel. That's where we get the term the Israelites, the family of Jacob, the family of Israel. And so uh, Jacob not being scared to share that, hey, Joseph, guys, listen, he's my favorite son. He's going to get this nice colored robe uh, and so forth. And so what do his brothers do? They're jealous. And so what does every brother do uh, when they're jealous with their brother? They sell him into slavery. Uh, and that's, that's exactly, uh, okay, maybe not every brother. I would not recommend that. I do not condone that. But that's what Joseph's brothers did uh, thousands of years ago as they were jealous, as they were angry with Joseph, they sold him into slavery in Egypt as they were fed up. As Joseph, he had dreams. He's saying, hey, guys, listen, one day you're going to bow down to me. 
You know, I, I would be fed up as well. I have that temptation of like, all right, kid, you, you, you're going, you're, you're out of here. Um, and so Joseph, he was sold into slavery in Egypt. And lo and behold, long story short, Joseph worked his way up the ranks and he became second in command in the nation of Egypt. He, he was only behind the Pharaoh himself. So arguably, Joseph was the second most powerful human being on the face of the earth, a man who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Well, many years uh, went down, uh, passed down, and Joseph encountered his brothers. And in a really, really emotional setting, Joseph and his brothers, they meet face to face. His brothers don't even recognize him at first. And uh, stories of Joseph just sobbing and sobbing, having to separate himself. But eventually, long story short, you should read it for yourself near the end of Genesis. Eventually, they reconcile with one another. They, they come together and they restore their friendly relations that they have with one another. And so when we take a look at history, we see example and example of reconciliation taking place where we're good and then we're angry with one another and then all of a sudden we are good as well. So that's my second favorite story of reconciliation in all of history of mankind uh, that I am familiar with anyways. Um, but my favorite story of reconciliation uh, in all of history is actually found in the scriptures as well. And as we alluded to it earlier, it's the reconciliation of mankind to God. <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful image, a beautiful story of mankind starting in this friendly relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. And then sin came, the main antagonist in our life, and mankind and God were separated. It was a broken relationship. And the good news is that relationship with God, it has been reconciled, where now we can be on friendly terms with God. Again, you and I can be a friend of God, whereas naturally we are all enemies of God as we oppose him. That's what an enemy, an enemy is just someone who opposes another being or another entity. And when we partake in sin, we are opposing God and the will of God. But thank goodness, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we can have reconciliation with God. And we can read about that reconciliation in the book of Romans. If you have your Bible, you can open up to the book of Romans. And we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 5. Chapter 5. And we're going to be reading uh, just verses 6 through 11 this morning as Paul, uh, he talks about this process of reconciliation with mankind and God. So in Romans chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 6, it reads, Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here we see Paul, Paul uh, makes a uh, very obvious that Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the, the, the people, you and I, who uh, naturally we, we are not godly. We, we naturally, we, we don't exhibit those attributes uh, of God's love and grace and mercy and justice and so forth. And so while everyone was ungodly, God sent Jesus to die 
for the ungodly. And Paul, he makes a point that, hey, listen, one, someone would barely even die for a righteous person. You know, I, I would probably uh, make the statement that most of us in here uh, with children, most of us in here uh, with someone who they have a very close relationship with, whomever that may be, whether that be your spouse, parent, uh, very close friend, whatever it may be, we, we all may have someone in our life who we would honestly, we would probably die for. For me, myself, when I think about myself, I would honestly die for my wife, Jamie. I'd die for my family. Um, and, and we can die for a righteous person. On the contrary, I bet none of us, I bet not a single one of us in this room would die for someone who wronged you, would die for someone who wronged you so bad that they were on death's row. So imagine with me for a minute that you are there with your family and some random uh, guy or gal, whomever it may be, they come and uh, wh- however dark your imagination may be, they seriously wrong your family. Whether that be taking the life of one of your loved ones, whatever it may be, but they do something so vile that they deem that this guy or gal, whoever it may be, they have got to go on death's row. And so this person who's done you and your family extreme wrong, they are now sitting on death's row. I would dare say that none of us would sacrifice our own life for the life of this person who is now sitting in death's row. I'm not sure we could find anybody in, in, in the entire world would be willing to lay down themselves, nevertheless, lay down their child for this person sitting in death's row for the awful, vile things that they have done to you. Maybe we could find someone who would sacrifice themselves, but I would be positive we cannot find a single person in this world who had a loving relationship with their child to sacrifice their own beloved child to save the life of someone sitting in death's row. But the beautiful story of mankind's reconciliation with God is that is exactly what took place. That's exactly what took place. As you and I, every human being in in, in all of history, we were on that track. You know, the wages of sin is death. We, We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Every time that we partake in sin, we deserve death. Nothing more, nothing less. So, so for uh, our sake today, we, we were all sitting in death's row. We all deserved death. But in this beautiful story uh, of us being reconciled to God, God laid down his beloved son, Jesus, so that he could be reconciled to you and I, to people sitting on death's row an act of love that's far greater than any single act of love or mercy or grace found in throughout all of history. It's a beautiful story of reconciliation. And so God, he gave up his son for us. He showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so if we continue in verse 9, Paul writes, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath 
of God. Again, we continue this theme of justification. We've been declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. And in verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his love, by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So again, naturally, with this issue, this main antagonist of sin, naturally, we are all enemies of God. Naturally, we all oppose God and his will in our lives. But praise the Lord that God sent his son to die for us. For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And this, to me, is by far the, the, the greatest image, the greatest story of reconciliation, again, in all of history. And Paul says here in verse 11, with, with this great news of reconciliation that we have with God, we shall rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. My cousin, uh, when he uh, was growing up, I'll spare uh, his name, uh, he used to have uh, fits of anger uh, when he was a little kid. He was adorable, but uh, he, he struggled with anger uh, from time to time. Um, and once, a number of years ago, I was babysitting uh, for uh, my uh, baby cousin, uh, who was a toddler at the time, and we ordered pizza, and I cut the pizza up into small uh, little pieces. And my little cousin, as I presented him this plate of cut-up pizza that I cut up specially for him, he was enraged. He says, you break my pizza. He was furious that I broke his pizza. I mean, he, he, he was ticked off for about a solid hour that I broke his pizza. And uh, it's funny because uh, my aunt and uncle, they, they bought him a shirt, a Hulk shirt that says, don't make me angry. And he fit that as a little kid. He's certainly grown out of that as all of us. We have those stages uh, when we are younger. But uh, when he, he would have those little anger fits. And he was someone that you would not want to make angry. We all know people in our lives that we do not want to make angry angry. Don't make me angry. But, but the, the most important being that we should be careful of not making angry is God, because God is someone who has power to take our lives in an instant, in an instant. And naturally, all of us are enemies of this God who can take our lives in an instant, who can cast us into the gates of hell. When, when, when Jesus comes back to establish God's kingdom on earth, God has that power. And so we need to make sure that we are not enemies with God. You dare not get God angry. God is a righteous God, and God does have a righteous anger. Anger is not a bad emotion. It's not a good emotion. It's an emotion. It can be used for good, and it can be used for bad. And God has righteous anger. When we oppose him, when we are enemies of God, God, God gets angry. We, we see that from time to time throughout the scriptures. And so we need to accept the free gift of reconciliation, where we, can, we have the opportunity to no longer be the enemy of God, but on the contrary, 
There's no better friend than to have in God. And we can be on friendly terms with God. You and I, we can be a friend of God. You can be a friend of the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. And all we have to do again is to have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. It is that easy for us. And thank the Lord, many of us have already made that choice. We've already made that choice that we accept the sacrifice of Jesus as saying, hey, we want to be forgiven of our sins. We want to be justified of our sins, and we want to be reconciled to God because we recognize this issue of sin, and we recognize that we need salvation from this issue of sin. If you're someone who hasn't made that choice, I strongly, I beg you, I'd urge you to make that choice to have, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and exhibit that living and active faith. But as we talk specifically about reconciliation and our relationship with God being restored, there, there are a couple of things that we should do. Number one, again, if you haven't already accepted the free gift of eternal life, You've got to give your life to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But on top of that, if you're someone who has already reconciled your relationship with God, you have a living and active faith, there's three things that you must do because of this reconciliation. Number one, we should rejoice. We should rejoice. You are a friend of God. That is reason enough to rejoice no matter what we are going through in our lives. And let me tell you a secret. Every single one of you, are going through something difficult in your life. That's something that every single human being shares. We all go through struggles in our lives. But we all have reason, no matter what we are going through, we all have reason, as Paul writes, rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And that is reason enough for you to rejoice today, it's reason enough for you to rejoice tomorrow. It doesn't belittle the, 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 the pain and the sorrow and the trials and the tribulations that we all go. But yet, no matter what season of life we are in, we can rejoice in the fact that we have been reconciled to God and you are a friend of God. So one, we should rejoice. Two, we should talk to God. What do friends do? Friends talk to their friends. If you are a friend of God, then you have got to be talking to God through prayer. When was the last time that you spent that quality time in prayer with God? If it hasn't been in the past day or two, uh, then something needs to change. This needs to be a daily habit. If you exhibit this daily habit of prayer, something we talk about time and time again, you are well on your way, my friend. And finally, number three, we've got to talk to others about our friend that we have in God. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Let your coworkers know. Let everybody that you come into contact with say, hey, guess what? I have got the best friend in the world. His name is Yahweh. He, he's the God of the heavens and the earth. And you have that same opportunity to be his friend. That's the beautiful picture of reconciliation. This good news that we have as we rejoice is not meant to be kept for ourselves, but it's meant to be shared with those around us. So rejoice, you've been reconciled. Talk to God as you've been reconciled and talk to others about the friend that you have in God. 
as you have been reconciled. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You've been reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the beautiful gift of reconciliation. Father, we thank you that you laid down your son on behalf of us while we were sinners, while we were yet your enemies. Father, I just thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Father, we thank you for the extreme privilege and honor it is to be your friend. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.